What number is this, Jim? Episode 67. Well, what do you have to say to the folks? Hi, this is Peter Tork, and you're listening to Zilch, a Shoe Suede Blues podcast. <laughs> okay, no, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm Zilch. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Special episode of Zilch. Today we have someone very special joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Zilch Hotline we have the one, the only, Mr. Peter Tork. Come in, Peter. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm in. The door is already behind me. I'm closed. I'm here. Hi, Ken. Hi, Peter. It is such a joy to talk to you. And I cannot tell you what a thrill it is to have you on this show. This is your show. Thank you. But wait until we're done before you decide. Oh, that's true. It, it could go it all, yes, it could go south in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, I don't think that it's going to be. You're here for a very special reason. And there's some special gigs coming up that we want our listeners to know all about. And you're, you're having a Shoe Suede Blues concert, and there's only two of them this year because you're part of the tour that will not end with the monkeys. <laughs> and, and those dates are Friday, October 14th, Club 66 in Edgewood, Maryland, and again on Sunday, October 16th at Infinity Hall Music in Hartford, Connecticut. And if people don't get there, boy, they're going to miss out on some good times, right? Uh, oh, good times. Uh, okay. See how I <laughs> that's, did that? That's clever. That, that's the riff. That's the little the little sneaky getting it in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, good times, huh? You use the Monkees album to, pro- to promote True Suede Blues. That's how well, we why do not? it. So, so this is going to be some, some good times for everybody. Please show up. Check out Shoe Suede Blues. Should t- we should, did you say Club 66 in Edgewood, Maryland? Did you say that? Uh, but you just did, so it'll all work out. So Club 66 in Maryland. So mm-hmm. there you go. It's such an honor to talk to you and have you on the show, and I want to tell you how much I love your work on the album Good Times. I want to talk to you about your Shoe Suede Blues work. I want to talk to you about your solo work. I want to talk about everything. This isn't going to be your typical Peter Tork interview where we ask those silly questions like, uh, so how did you guys get to become a band? And how did you meet one another? And it's not going to be any of that stuff. So <laughs> for, you once, know, right? yeah, for once, you don't have to answer any of those questions today. <laughs> So this is a good okay. thing. Right now we have a chance to look at your Shoe Suede Blues work. And your the last Shoe Suede Blues album was Step by Step. Can right. you tell us all a little bit about how that album came to be and why folks should check it out? Well, it came to be because I wanted to make an album and I got the guys together. I had a, 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 you know, a handful of material. Mm-hmm. In this case, interestingly enough, this album is almost all covers. Almost all covers. There's mm-hmm. one... Uh, original song of mine on it, and um, and one I believe is previously unrecorded song from a Nashville songwriter, 
I still believe in the blues. I think that nobody's recorded that before. And everything else is like from my pop history and, uh, and uh, oh, my arrangement of a Mose Allison song, the uh, Your Molecular Structure, which, boy, if I didn't get it in now, it would never come in because th the technology it talks about is, uh, is really pre-computer stuff. It's not at all digital. And, it, you know, if I don't, Get, didn't I said if I don't get the song in there now everybody's going to forget what what he's talking about, um, <laughs> you know it was like fifties or something like that technology which is impressive enough in its day but my goodness it's come a ways. Anyway, so there were just all these songs. My arrangement of Fuchi Coochie Man, which I was playing with, and I said this is this is the way for me to do this song. Make you pretty women lead me by the hand. Then the world will know I'm your hoochie coochie man Cause I'm here Everybody knows I'm here I'm your hoochie coochie man The whole round world knows I am yeah, I'm your It's one thing for a white blues singer to sing the Muddy Waters songbook and the B.B. King songbook and the Albert King songbook. And, if, uh, and, and as a classical performer once said, if you're not bringing something new to the table, what are you doing it for? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I didn't want to do any of the blues classics directly anymore. Um, I, we did a few in some earlier... CDs. Uh, you Gotta Help Me, Babe is almost uh, totally exactly the, the uh, uh, original arrangement. But I had this idea for Hoochie Coochie Man and it began to, it be, it began to move me. I would say, this is a good idea. So that kind of thing, you know, and uh, Step by Step, the Jesse Winchester song. If I'm late, don't wait, go on without me. I may tarry a while Cause I mean to know Before I go How come the devil smiles Which, uh, I can't tell you how close to the original arrangement it is because we listened to it a couple of times and then we began to play it. Mm -hmm. And we never listened to the original again. And uh, there were a few aspects I wanted, a certain few rhythmic kicks that made me really want to do the song and I wanted to capture those. Uh, but we let the thing go as it, as it evolved and developed. So there's songs that I wanted to do and songs that I felt like I had to do and songs that I came up with some arrangements that said, let me do this. And, uh, and and like that, and that's all there is to it. And I just called the guy, said, "Let's." There's a uh, uh, there's a there's a studio here. We can we can put this together. And uh, we went up to a studio in uh, up north of Northampton, Mass. Um, I don't know where are you, Ken. I'm in Arkansas right now, but I'm up from the Ohio Pennsylvania border area. That's where my used to call home, but love brought me down to Arkansas. Ah, uh, 
has that effect on people. Mm -hmm. um, well, north of Springfield, Massachusetts, is the fabulous capital, college capital of the world, uh, Northampton. And north of that, by about another half an hour, 35 minutes, is a little town called Goshen, mm. Land of Goshen. And up there is, a, is an establishment called IMA, the Institute for the Musical Arts, founded by one June Millington, uh, who was a founding uh, and who was a member of Fanny, of All Girl Rock Group from yeah. the 60s and 70s, the 70s, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and, and her partner, Ann Hackler. And they run a rock camp for girls. And they have three or four 10-day sessions, you know, weekends. Uh, you come in on Friday, leave on Monday. And, uh, and they, lots of guitars laying around. And a professional quality studio. Oh, wow. And June and I have become friends over the years, just from being on the, sort of on campus. And uh, so I took the band up there. And they have live-in arrangements. And it's just the most fabulous bucolic thing you can sleep in a yurt if you want or what have you and roll out of bed and they cook breakfast for us and it's just the most wonderful thing in the world so we spent about uh, I don't know eight days six days eight days working on the the basic tracks and then we took everything away and when I, and I went into a, a littler mixing studio also up in the Northampton area and worked on it with the with that engineer until we got it the way we liked it very good. And through the show, we're going to be playing various bits of Chew Suede Blues' album step by step, just mixing it in and out of the conversation. And uh -huh. of course, we want people to know that they can get that at petertork.bandcamp.com or wherever fine CDs or MP3s are sold. So let's check out a little bit of Chew Suede Blues. Do they run, they run, they do they run when she hangs out? She hangs out. Sister was. Sister was. Sister was. How would you say your sister was? Sister was. Sister was. You know you better keep an eye on her.
that's fantastic, Peter. Just love to hear you doing something you love so much. Uh, Thank you. I love to hear me doing. <laughs> <laughs> how did Shoe Suede Blues come to be? You mean you don't know it? I thought millions understood. No, wait a minute. That's the monkeys. Yeah, okay. that's the other guys. Yes, the, the other guys. Well, personally, I'd always been interested in the blues, but I really, really did not have much of a grasp on the technique and the uh, and the psychology of it all for myself mm-hmm. you know I understood what I was listening to and, and how important it was um, and uh, at years you know and every time I turned around I tried to get bluesier so in the monkeys you know it's like trying to get make everything bluesier and trying to pull the guys in the direction of the blues mm-hmm. if I could and and hoping for every song to have a, a at least some blues in it uh, we're very lucky that uh, we were in came up in the era of rock and roll when the yes. blues was still very strongly a part of the, of rock and roll although not the blues rhythms interestingly enough but still the blues uh, music sensibilities the flat and third and seventh chords and yes. all that stuff that you know the modal chords uh, all that uh, and which of course was a direct outgrowth of 40s R&B uh-huh. as well as the country blues that that came up separately. So as the years rolled by and I kept on noodling on the blues and trying to play them a little bit here and a little bit there, I finally was beginning to feel like maybe I could do this a little bit and I was hanging around with a gang of people and a friend of mine said, listen, my wife is in charge of entertainment for this fundraising dance that's going to come up. So you and me and that guy over there who plays bass and let's see if we can't grab a couple of other guys and we'll play all night long, blues pop covers, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. messing with the kid and and just every blues pop song there was. And we had such a good time. And the rhythm was there. The feel was there. There was something, you know, when the blues is right, there's some kind of fresh magic that, that yes. happens. I mean, the only other music that has the beat, or at least the, the, the rhythmic feel, is jazz. Now, jazz is way over my head. I'm never right. going to play jazz. <laughs> and if I could, I don't even know whether I would. I, I probably would if I could, but, but you know, the blues is, is where it is for me. And uh, so we played another one of those fundraisers, and the bass player and the guy who brought up the subject, a guy named Tad, was a uh, keyboard and blues harp player, and the bass player and I, we went to three or four of these things uh, with pickup guitar players and drummers and every time we did it we had a great time no matter who else was there and even if one of us was missing something was there and we looked at each other and we said you know there's something magic here Bonnie our friend Bonnie Verico happened to catch wind of all this I was on the west coast at the time Bonnie caught wind of it and said she was running a dance in Washington and could we come for the budget and we looked at the budget she had and we said no, honey, but if you could just get us a couple of modest gigs around town before and after, we could, then we could. And she went out and got us a couple of modest gigs, a decent little, nothing much, but, you know, decent little gig. And uh, can I tell you, every time Shoe Suede Blues gets up on stage and plays, I get off. I get taken away. I get transported. Something happens. Maybe not for very long. Maybe not very much. Maybe not every, mm-hmm. but I get carried away every night to some extent or another and this through all the changes in personality the original three of us carried on as shoe suede blues for 
oh, I don't know, three, five years. And then we began to change personnel one at a time. One guy dropped away. We got the guitar player became permanent. And then uh, we got a drummer. And then those guys, the drummer went his way. And the guitar player, sad to say, uh, went to the other, the next plane of existence, whatever it is, mm -hmm. to, to the point where now we have our second bass player, Arnold Jacks, our third permanent guitar player, and our second permanent drummer. And the guitar player and drummer live up in Northampton, and Arnold still lives in San Bernardino, California. So every time we've got a gig, we've got to do some massive transportation of personnel, but it's right. way worth it with him because he had so much to the show. So like that, and we've been just doing it, and I've been getting bluesier and bluesier and sitting here jamming on YouTube blues tracks until it's coming out my ears and <laughs> having a great time. And, and, and that brings us to the present moment. Very good. You know, you were talking about, like, jazz. There are times as a musician I've been able to hit that spot, like where you can do a little bit of jazz stuff, but it's like playing music well it's kind of like getting a kite to go up in the air. You know when you fly a kite and everything's going right, it's just wonderful. If if I stay too long in the jazz area, my kite starts to spin down towards the ground. <laughs> so if you're going to yeah. do something, you want to be in that zone you were talking about where you feel yeah. like you're really feeling the music, where you're really getting off. Yeah, it's the zone thing, all right. Very good. Now, you mentioned Bonnie. She's just a fantastic person. and she, yep. Bonnie uh, has drifted in and out of management position with the group uh, ever since the start. Really, she is responsible for the start. She was the actual manager of the group for a number of years and responsible for some wonderful tours that we've had over the, over the well, I don't know. Gosh, I don't even know how old Shoe Suede Blues is. 20 years, maybe? Wow, it's hard Poss to believe. but I think it might be. Yeah. Well, certainly in the teens, if not 20. We'll ask Bonnie. She'll know. Pretty soon, Shoe Suede Blues will be able to go to college. It's it's of proper age, so yep. there you go. Um, <laughs> now, you okay. thank Bonnie on the Good Times album, the Monkey's okay. Good Time album. You actually thank her on the album. Yes. Now, I'd like to ask you a couple questions about Good Times. Okay. What did you enjoy most about making the Good Times album? Well, as always, uh, the best thing about making an album is the uh, interplay in the studio before, during the recording and the mixing uh, just getting together with other people and throwing stuff around back and forth, having an idea, uh, playing the music. Um, I did one of the basic tracks, and that was Little Girl. And I was the guitar player, the rhythm guitar player in the studio, uh, in an isolation booth. And the other three, the lead guitar player, drummer, and bass player, were all in the main room. And, um, and I could... Because it was because it was the isolation booth, I could say, "Okay, we're going to the chorus now, and here's the here's the second chorus, and come on." And everybody sort of knew it, but it was helpful to have me be able to cue, which is one of the advantages of modern record uh, recording system. You you couldn't do that in the old days. You know, right. one mic in the air, and you couldn't say, "Okay, heading for the chorus," unless you wanted to make that part of the record. Which yeah. <laughs> take it to the bridge. Take it. Can I take it to the bridge? Can I take it to the bridge? Okay, but that's a that was a different, you know, genre. So it was uh, it was handy to be able to be there and then to sing the leads here and there, play a little banjo over this, just to overdub a little keyboards here and there, work out some things. You know, do we want to sing this here or there? Do we want to sing that? And uh, 
you know, just being in the studio when Mickey says, this is what I, he sang a little second part to one of the records. Mm -hmm. And Adam Schlesinger, the, the producer, said, you want to do that? And Mickey said, it's what I hear. And so Adam said, go in there and do it. And he went in there and did it. Well, for me, it's a joy just to be there when that happens, even if it's not me directly. Right. Even if I'm not directly involved, it's a joy to be there. It's so, you know, that's all of that stuff goes into what makes it a lot of fun. And really, it's a it's a calling. I'm so glad I'm part of this industry. Well, Adam Schlesinger did a really good job with all of you guys. And he seemed like he brought a great energy to the album. The song Little Girl itself, Peter, it is such an earworm. I mean, <laughs> my wife yells at me because I'm I'm walking around the the house. Little girl, won't you? You know, just over, just da 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 da. It just it just starts up again, and you did a. You could you should have that looked at, Ken. Uh, yeah, I need to have that looked at. Perhaps there's a cure for it, but it's just fantastic. They, and, and your version of "I Was Not Born to Follow" was just great as well. Thank you, thank you. And how does it feel to have the number one album on the vinyl charts? Wow, isn't that something? Yeah. I think I think you have to sell eight to get on number one, don't you? <laughs> well, it is kind of odd because what used to be the number one vinyl charts back in the 70s and 80s is right. different oh, yeah. than it, what it is now. But still, you're in there slugging. I mean, for a band and a concept that was counted out so many times by so many people, you guys keep coming back. And to come huh? back 50 years later is no small feat. It's, uh, no, it's just it's absolutely, no, matter of yeah, fact, the it, feet are very big. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I see what you did there. Uh, it's very, it's, it's astounding. It, it really is amazing. I don't know anything about it. I, I, I'm happy to say that not knowing has become a very open and strong part of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, because if I had to know what was going on, we'd all just be dead in the water. You know what I'm saying? This is, <laughs> um, so the train um, would have went off the rails several times, possibly. Oh but boy, it, tell me about it. It, it just well, keeps coming back. Um, you know that it. It. I think I have some little something to do with it, but where does that come from? If I have to say, well, I did this and I did that, you know, uh, the number of people who think they're self-made people. Um, you know, where did they get the energy to do it? Where did they get the tools to do it? Mm -hmm. Nothing comes from nothing. You Correct. Know? Um, Maybe the Big Bang came from nothing. Who knows? You know, it certainly is. No, we we have not got the information, but uh, in in earthly terms, in human terms, nothing comes from nothing. Uh, I, I there's a, a lovely lady was my mom's best friend for years, is uh, still happily living in La Jolla. Went to visit her recently, and she said, you know, that way you are, that kind of funny, experimental, offbeat. You've been that way since I knew you when you were two. You were like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you know, where does it come from? I, you know, I can't say I generated that. I didn't create that. I'm not. That's not my doing. And yet, whatever it was that came to the table through me, I'm the I'm the canal. So I get to watch it go on. And uh, and the same is true of everybody and everything. Uh, you know, I. Crikey! How do you you know? How often does one of these things happen? Who knows? Never, you know. Right. Maybe Frank, you know, uh, Bob Hope had a and and Bing Crosby and uh, Frank Sinatra had fifty-year careers. Uh, Tony Bennett has a fifty-year more now. What's he? Sixty or seventy-year career. Uh, but uh, you know, these are these are phenomena. 
and uh, and at some level I have nothing to do with it at another level you know I'm bringing something to the table and there's something about that uh, I think it's Bert and Bob really myself that's I think where it all is the producers the original producers that was the big bang in this sense that was the uh, creative, the, the, <laughs> the big bang yeah. started there and then everything else happened and but it's it's not by accident either I know that you practiced uh, Zen and uh, like I was re- uh, reading something by Charlotte Jackobeck and the, the one thing she sums it up with every moment is the guru and you're to try to learn from every moment to try to learn from everything and, and that speaks a lot to like your philosophy I hope to see uncloudedly that's all you know and and that's only it's a skill it's not something that suddenly you're able to right. do it you know one day your eyes are open and 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 the heavens sing and it's like that forevermore it's not like that it's a skill it comes and goes and the more skillful you are the more often it comes and the longer it stays and the more intensely you feel it and the less skillful you are the reverse so there's nothing to it you just keep on doing it to the best of your ability actually lovely thing we're all on the same path not everybody knows it but there's no he's not on the path none of that right when I was younger back in my uh, in my early village days uh, or early monkey days or something there was a a lady friend of mine who was just swooning with admiration over a guy who a pop musician who had the lyric let's you and me get together and leave all those stupid other people behind and she said, oh, he's so spiritual. I said, that's not spiritual. The whole point about spirituality is that we're in this together, which is incidentally one of the things about the blues, too. The blues is about we're all in this together. I, I, and I'm absolutely certain that, you know, leave all these other stupid people behind is not spiritual, as we are using the word these days. So, uh, so it's just, you know, we're, if you're not including everybody, then you're then you're only being partial with yourself. Right. You're not actually learning what you need to learn in that sense. There's the saying that all ships rise. That's what we want to do. We want to try to get everybody to that place. Your song that you wrote for Pete's sake. I bring that fun, yeah. Yeah, I, I bring that up for a specific reason. I've always felt that each one of you, the four original monkeys, brought something of yourself to the monkeys concept, be it the TV show or the music. And you specifically seem to personify the peace and love vibe that permeated the 60s counterculture. Now, yeah, I was all over that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that vibe, I, I, I feel that you brought to the project, really did influence tons of kids. I was one of them. I feel that even more so than it did in the 60s, that message of peace and love went into the reruns in the 70s and the 80s, and it still goes on. Okay, Ken. Yes. Have you heard A Better World? That's what I'm getting to. That, that okay. influence has, has been one thing that has always attracted me to the TV show and the music. And when I listen to a song like A Better World, which is available as a bonus track on the FYE version of Good Times, I know that your brother Nick Torkelson wrote it, and I personally okay. love the vibe of the track. I feel it's a very important track. Can you tell us why you wanted to cut the track A Better World? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? Ipsit liquitor. I can't. I, I remember. I don't know if I've ever known it. There's there's this Latin expression, and it's in legal circles, and it means the thing speaks for itself. Uh-huh. And the the song. When I first heard the song, the song said to me what I've already known all along, but have never been able to uh, express in 
so uh, such a pithy way succinctly it just there's there's more than enough uh, the the subtext is that what's keeping us from all having enough is fear uh-huh. and pol- politics which is fear and um there is no way to eliminate fear from the human experience mm-hmm. but there are ways to allay that fear to an appreciable extent and if we know there's enough that makes things a little calmer it makes it you know a little bit less grabby because in the material world it's a zero sum game if there's only so much food to go around, if I take too much, you don't have enough. But if I take enough, you have enough too. And that's that will happen if we're not terrified of each other and of the vagaries of, of life, which of course are not. Uh, you can't stop them. Right. Life goes on. It's weird. People get hit by cars and mm-hmm. get brought down by cancer or some other disease or trip and fall and hit their heads. That kind of thing happens all the time and there's no stopping it. But if we, the more fear we bring to the situation, the tougher it is on everybody. The fearful and the feared as well. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think the song is absolutely beautiful. If I was leading uh, you know, music in a church, I would want that played there. If I was a person wanting to run for office I would be using this track and it would be part of my personal philosophy because I think that what the song says is something that people really truly need to hear especially in 2016 I think so thank you and in in the light of the philosophy of the song how do you think we're doing as a country or society at getting closer to a better world I mean here we are in 2016 what do you think about going from the 60s to now how are we doing well, I think it's always three steps forward, two steps back in, in every endeavor. Maybe it's 99 steps forward, 98 steps back or something, you know. I don't want to get too specific on the digits, but there's always this uh, back and forth and back and forth. But I am hopeful that in the long run, uh, this is all going to settle down. I believe, <clears throat> I believe that uh, fundamentalist hate rhetoric and behaviors of all kinds are a direct outgrowth of that same fear. Yeah. If, if, if people are treated nastily and meanly, they will treat, they will, the trouble is this, that the overwhelming number of people, a number of times that I treat somebody nastily, they will treat somebody nastily in, in return, either in return back to me or in consequence to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of people who are capable of saying, wait a minute, I don't have to do that, is very low, right? But it's in, but it's growing. That number of people who say, "I get it. I get that." What we're talking about is other people are operating out of fear. I don't have to react fearfully. I, that number of people is growing. We see that all over the place. The number of of you know inspirational spiritual uh, publications, uh, uh, monthlies, and books is is growing almost exponentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Various other kinds of spiritual thought are becoming part of the everyday conversation. You know, if the New York Times says something about nirvana on its front page, you know that we've come a long way since, what, the 60s or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean the group. I'm, right, right. <laughs> I mean the, the religious concept. Uh, and so it goes. And I do believe that that is an expression of 
of improvement. But, you know, fear raises its ugly head at every turn, and it requires great patience and dedication to be able to, I mean, I can't resist reacting fearfully a lot of the time at this point in my life. Uh, it, I'm getting better at it. It's like I said, it's a skill, and I'm not terribly good at it yet. But I get the principles, yeah. so I can, you know, which is a step up. Getting the principles is better than not having them. Exactly. And fear robs us of so many blessings. I don't care what you believe or whatever, that's just a truism. I mean, you really can disconnect yourself from all the positive stuff around you by fear. It can really cripple you, and it's sad. Yep. You know, for Pete's sake, we're hoping to have a better world. See what I did yep. there? I see what you did there. It's pretty sharp. Pretty sharp. Well, let's check out A Better World with Peter Tork. A better world is needed. I believe anyone can see it. A better world is coming if we live as we believe. A better world is started. No need to be broken hearted. No need for longing. To feed all the hungry, to mend every broken heart. We can bring this about if we mean it. It's not gonna be easy. So start, so start, so start. The way we live is funny. Anyone can see it's gonna take more than money It's gonna take all we got The way we live is tragic Anyone can tell it's gonna take more than magic But believe it or not There's more than enough To feed all the hungry With enough heart and soul And if we don't tire We can bring this about it's not just my imaginations, not just you and me, and it's not just two or three, it's the whole wide world on fire. You'll get your money back, your heart's I think that this this version of the song 
it reminds me so much of something that Marvin Gaye would have done like around 70. Oh yeah, there's 70. a little bit of that. I hear what you're saying because yeah. I've actually thought of that too. There's that lovely little just two chords back and forth, not even terribly different chords, just mm -hmm. slightly different chords. Uh, father, father, we don't have to escalate. Yes, yes. That's all that. Yeah, that's, that's like, very typical. And that. like a better world hits it when they do that. Oh, the, the whole wide world on fire you know it's just yeah. it's so there and it's it's really a message that we need to hear for our times i agree so thank you for doing it my pleasure so if you don't have the fye version of good times you, you need to you're talking to the audience now aren't you you're not talking to me anymore yes yes well, talk to the audience well peter if you don't have it you need to go get it too <laughs> i mean you should have you have you heard it so there you go you know i was told that you are a huge fan of the Disney film Zootopia. So much that I actually went out and bought the Blu-ray. My goodness. Just so I could talk to you about it. And, oh. you know, as odd as it's going to sound. I don't know that I can say that I'm a huge fan of Zootopia. I, I think that's, uh, that's somebody's idea. No, but okay. I will say that it, it's a very interesting concept mm -hmm. that in the movie, in Zootopia, we are post-conflict. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, although... Now, what are you going to feed a lion if you're not going to feed a meat? And if you know, it, it, and the practicalities are, are border on the absurd. But as a as a as a premise for a fantasy cartoon movie, uh, that's it's really uh, it, it's lovely and it's a lot of fun. And you know, the idea of a fox and a bunny becoming really good friends and partners <laughs> is uh, is very engaging. Uh, well, like I said, as a pragmatic matter, it's absurd. Right, but but. Uh, <laughs> There's, from what I was told, you really enjoyed the sloths. Oh, that part's the really funny part, yeah. And I was hoping that once I mentioned it, you wouldn't, like, get into slow talking, like, hello. I that, I, that I would not? Ken, how are, you know, that, how they did that slow talk. Oh, that, that, that was very was funny. Just, yeah. But, you know, even in that movie, if you look at how fear, once fear was introduced into that society, it just... You just saw their society start to fall apart. I just saw Kubo and the Two Strings. Mm. In Kubo and the Two Strings, the the villain is the deceased grandpa who has set tried to make all of his daughters become seriously acquisitive and possessive and uh, structured for property and the uh, you know fear and intimidation and violence are the defenses in that case mm. in that case and kubo's mother uh is the was the rebel and she went away from it and and uh, there was a rebel samurai who was part of the thing whole too and at the end uh grandpa grandpa's ghost is returned uh the ghost of the ancestors is uh, a given in this movie and uh he doesn't remember anything and people do remember his good works and there was this wonderful thing where the villain is not defeated but brought back into the circle of of uh, normal chop wood carry water life ah it's which is brand new in movies for yes. me uh, as far as i know there's almost no i i know of no other movie where the villain is brought back into the circle rather than crushed and defeated. You know, all the 
superstar action movies have a villain, and the villain's pretty much got to be destroyed and, you know, dissolves into sand, blowing into an inferno, and mm -hmm. then he's done, and we're, and we're now much, all much better off, which is, of course, wonderful for making movies. I enjoy those movies myself, but as a true approach to issues, it's bogus. There's none of that. You cannot defeat fear-mongering by crushing them. Correct. You, have you just to alter. create more crushers. You just, you know, a million. It's it's like some Greek myth about somebody who every time he threw him on the ground, his strength doubled. And so I forget who it was, but uh, Hercules, I think, finally defeated him by holding him up in the air and not yeah. letting him get to the earth. <laughs> and yes. uh, which is, you know, but it's still a defeating thing. Whereas in the two strings, Grandpa's ghost is reminded of the times that he was a welcome loving member of the community and he, they say don't you remember when you did this he goes did I oh oh I guess I did and by which he is finally released until then he is a, a, a raging ghost and is wreaking havoc even after death wow. and um, so there's a message for the times well I definitely need to check this out Kubo and the two strings I definitely need to check this out wow that is excellent, Peter. Love it. Should be in 3D. It is. I saw it in 3D, which I adore. 3D is just the world to me. What is it uh, about 3D movies that you like? Well, it, it harkens back to my early days. So, when I was uh, in my single-digit years, they came out with 3D comics, mm -hmm. which were red-green, and they were just line drawings. Yes. Uh, and and they were artificially made into 3D, and it, not all of it was very successful. But I got into it. And my father said, "Well, here's how they do it." And you, and you look and you see. Well, I see. With the red lens, you can't see red lines, and with the green lens, you can't see green lines. But with the green line lens, you see red lines, and so you can make two different pictures on the page, and each eye sees a different image, and you can create 3D with that. So my brother and I actually, Nick, Nick and I got into making 3D comics with 3D and we made our own 3D glasses and we made our own 3D green wow. crayons for crying out loud so that we could get the right color and uh, uh, and, and we even made a 3D flip pad Book motion flip. picture. Yeah, one of those little things where you can flip the pages and it moves. Yeah. That right. is amazing. How old were you? I don't know. About uh, I guess 9 or 12 somewhere in that range. So you've always been, you've always had like those skills and keys, if you would, to uh, kind of investigate things. Yeah, yeah. That, wow. Well, that's the way my father raised us, pretty much. He was uh, uh, pretty much into scientific curiosity, uh, in in at times and in part. But some of it was uh, grand, uh, following ideas to their logical conclusion. And it's given me, yeah, it's given me some tools for that kind of thing. I, I've, I've heard that you became a teacher for a time. And how did Oops. that come about? And what reaction did you get from your students when they found out you were a monkey? Well, the, it's, it's always this interesting thing about being found out. When people first find out, they see nothing except their reaction to the fame and however they feel about everybody on television or however they feel about whoever they liked on television or however they felt about whoever they liked making records or however they felt about anything is all in what happens when they see me at first. Uh -huh. After a couple of minutes or hours 
uh, it, that all just becomes part of the picture, like a birthmark. Mm -hmm. And they start, you start having, you know, and so the kids in every one of my classes, they said, gosh, what was it like? Can you tell? And so for 20 minutes, I'd, you know, tell them what I could tell them about it and uh, answer a few questions. And, and then we get down to work and they grumble about the homework. <laughs> <laughs> so it became an, uh, a very quickly just another day at school. That's uh, right. It became normal. But, you know, I, I listen to interviews yeah. with you and I've seen video clips of you, whether it be YouTube, like, there was recently, I think in the last year or two, you, w you went into an auditorium and you saw one of those old organs and you went on to play it. And not only that, you like turned to the camera and talked about the history of that particular instrument. And you, you always seem to be a teacher, you know, like, like among the four of you, like Mike's the businessman, Mickey the comedian, and Davey the entertainer, but you really seem to have that teacher vibe going where you want to uh, try and enlighten people or, you know, open their eyes to something different. What What do you think made you go that route? I think, I would say I just want to take them on the trip with me. That's, that's not quite the same as teaching, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but you know, my dad was a teacher, and my dad's dad was a teacher, and my mom taught. My mom's mom taught, and uh, and I married a teacher, and uh, and and you know became a and it's through her influence and connections that I became a teacher myself for those three years that I I taught secondary school, uh, and um, and it's just I guess it's just a natural outgrowth of the who knows you know is it biology or is it or is it uh, uh, in, uh, environment? You know, who knows mm -hmm. exactly? There's no knowing exactly, but it's it's sort of natural. Well, I've always appreciated that aspect of what I believe your character to be. You know, that from what I've seen from the outside of it. But uh, it, it, I think it's a it's a great thing. We need more people like that in the world. Getting back to the music, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe we have just enough of those. <laughs> could be. Could be. Uh, getting getting back to the music, out of all the albums that you've had a hand in recording, whether it be your work with the Monkees or solo, uh, you know, as a solo artist or with Shoe Suede Blues or with James Lee Stanley, do you have a favorite album that, that you had a hand in recording? There's a couple of things about some of them that are sort of special. Stranger Things Have Happened was special because it was it was all about me and that was a lot of fun. Step by Step was a lot of fun because it's the most recent and therefore the best informed as to music and blues and and the overall art of it. And maybe having to do with a couple of the songs on the movie Head mm -hmm. and, the, and the soundtrack and watching all that come together. So, uh, no, I, I can't say any one particular one, but a little bit pop up here and there for various different reasons. When you wear that sexy stuff 
white sweaters and skirts I can't get enough Cut real low so I can see Dress sexy for me Sexy Dress sexy for me, baby Sexy Show me some leg Make me beg Show me some thigh Make me cry Show me some lace Baby, right up in my face Dress sexy for me Sexy Dress sexy for me, baby Show me some leg Make me beg Show me some thigh Make me cry some lace Ain't no disgrace Come a little closer, baby Right up in my face Dress sexy for me Dress sexy for me, baby Please, baby, just Dress sexy for me, baby You know how I love that stuff when you do it Oh, baby Now, you know, a Shoe Suede Blues show is a lot different than a Monkeys concert. A lot of people want to meet you, and you're probably more than likely to meet Peter Tork at a Shoe Suede Blues show than at a Monkeys concert, correct? Oh, I would think the chances were wildly different. Yeah, you know, I mean, people do, it does happen at Monkey shows, but we're playing to anywhere from, I don't know, a thousand. God, we played, must have played to 20,000 the other day. Uh, and the chances of being able to say hello to everybody are pretty slim. <laughs> but, uh, but when we play to a crowd of uh, 200, then, you know, if, if 50 or 60 of those want to come by and say hi and shake hands and maybe get an autograph, that's much more doable. Uh, and uh, so I'm happy to stick around and, and say hi to everybody uh, after a show. And... Um, sign CDs and pictures and shake hands and shake every hand and, and pick every pocket. <laughs> so uh, anybody wants uh, wants an autograph, come on by the shows. He doesn't bite. He nibbles, but... <laughs> <laughs> I nibble my own fingernails. That's all I nibble. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> you crack me up, sir. Uh, now, if you had one track, one recorded song that sums up what Shoe Suede Blues is... What track would you say that that is? Saved by the Blues, probably. Excellent. Um, and here's Peter Tork with Shoe Suede Blues doing Saved by the Blues. Well, I woke up one morning and the air was black as ink. My daddy was having himself a little drink. He had deep purple bags and his eyes were red and wary. I was looking at my future. Man, did it look scary. The colors of your life. Something you've got to choose 
Interestingly enough, we uh, that was recorded on an album of the same name, a CD of the same name, and we did it in in gospel format. You know, well, I woke up this morning, the air was bright and clear. I had nobody to blame all down in fear. And uh, we don't do it that way anymore. So you should come by the show to see how we do it now. But I still love the song just as much either way, uh, and. Uh, and the interesting thing about the show, as I will say uh, on the, at the show, is that it really was written about me by a friend of mine who uh, is a very good songwriter. Uh, we wrote a song together hoping to put it on the, on the uh, Good Times album, but it didn't get that far. Um, and it's, and it's a, 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 a great blues quality song without being a pure blues song. Uh, it has the blues feel. Uh, and you know, woke up one morning. That's, that's the start of a blues song, you know. Oh yeah, banana na na. But yeah, kinda <laughs> banana na na. Yeah, <laughs> banana na na. You know, one of the great white people's jokes about the blues is, "I didn't wake up this morning." <laughs> didn't, <Yeah. laughs> didn't didn't up, even didn't up, even my, wake my up. Stuff, right? <laughs> Speaking of shoe suede blues, there's the legend of Backdoor Slam, or perhaps, ah. or perhaps you may have heard of the legend of Beltway Slim. Either way, I don't think that Backdoor Backdoor Slam was part of this part of the 
part of the riff, uh, although it was Tad's idea. Uh, yeah, the, the Shoesway Blues opened for the Monkees on a couple <laughs> of concerts. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I was introduced as a Beltway Guitar Slim, and I wore a loud yellow plaid jacket, a Panama hat, and, mm -hmm. and uh, shades. I came out and we played, you know, the five of us played a, uh, a, a short set, 20, 25 minutes, and, and there, was, there was some muttering and suspicion among the audiences, is, is that, could, is that, uh, gosh, you know. In those days, when we had opening acts, the monkeys invited the opening act back up to stage mm -hmm. to sing Daydream Believer at the very end. And when he invited up Shoe Suede Blues, they brought up the jacket and the hat and the glasses. And Mickey said that when I put those on, there were gasps from the audience that apparently the the bulk of the audiences did actually not know it was me, which was a lot of fun. That's um, a trip. But I will tell you, it was. I did not have any idea how tiring it was going to be being in both acts. That yeah. was <laughs> that was a trip. Being in two bands, but it's it's amazing. You guys were doing a Jake and Elwood. Uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd would come out as Jake and Elwood, and it, people were like, "What's going on?" So you were doing that same sort of thing where you came out as that character in Shoe Suede Blues, and Monkeys fans didn't even know it. That is that yeah. is such a trip. I love Most that. Did. Some of them, of course, could tell right away. But yeah, that is so funny, though. Like people tell you, people tend to see what they sort of are led to expect to see. Mm -hmm. If you're not paying attention to the opening band, you don't even look to see if that is Peter Tork up there. <laughs> and why would you listen to the blues when you came to hear monkey songs? Well, because it's good music. Inter interestingly enough, and incidentally, uh, Shoe Suede Blues plays a good half dozen monkey songs. Yes, you do, and some, some great ones and some excellent remakes and uh, revitalizations of some of those songs, reinterpretations as well, some, some different ways of hearing them. I loved hearing the sitar on, on the one. It was such a trip, you know, and, yep. and your banjo, and it's just fantastic. Your version of For Pete's Sake, That's I right. particularly love. That's the one with the sitar on it. That was uh, Richard Michaels' idea. He found some sitar music that he wanted to hear on it and he adjusted it and that was his addition that was his editing on that song it's a very interesting kind of a thing it takes us uh, took me to a different i hadn't expected it he said so how listen to this something i tried and i listened to it. very transportational it took me took me away yeah absolutely it does me every time would you like to introduce that i thought i just had oh okay uh well then, I'll, th then took I'll... me, it took me away okay let's hear that We 
This is going to seem like a kind of offshoot or weird question for you, possibly. Yeah. But do you have three albums that everyone should check out? Three albums that you love. Like, if you had your record collection there, and you would say, like, hey, have you ever checked this out? What are three albums that Peter Tork absolutely loves? Three albums that folks should check out. I don't know about albums because I, I don't have any of these, but I listen to the Mills Brothers a lot these mm -hmm. days. Uh, there's something just magical about those guys. They're just so good, so smooth, and so musical that uh, that I just really like to listen to them a great deal. So the Mills Brothers and, uh, you know, sometimes I just like to listen to a, a pastiche of old old jazz, 30s and uh, 20s and 30s jazz, and uh, and then finally, of course, the blues, the the uh, the old masters, the original guys, Petey Wheatstraw, uh, Elmore James, the originals, the very early ones, Lonnie Johnson, not to mention Robert Johnson, but Lonnie yes. Johnson, who, who he, his stuff wasn't blues, I mean, it was very bluesy, it was all gospel, really, ultimately, but it was but it was so affecting it was just magnificent and i just have that stuff on heavy rotation on my uh on my sound machines very good so folks check those artists out open up your musical canvas and try out some different colors and sounds so we thank you for that peter you are currently on tour with the monkeys how is the tour that never ends seem to be going <laughs> I think it's going to end. Uh, we will see. We, uh, we, we're booked into uh, 
the Antipodes, I don't know, mm -hmm. Any, New Zealand and Australia, anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be doing that, and that'll be the end of it for a while, if not ever. We'll see. You never say never, except right. sometimes, and but only <laughs> rarely say never. Um, because if you never say never, then you can't say never about never saying never, right? Okay. Agreed. So we will see. And uh, But it's been a lot of fun tromping the boards with Mickey. We laugh every night. Out loud, right suddenly, just full of spontaneous laughter at, at what's going on with each other. Mm -hmm. One night, uh, we were doing Stepping Stone, and I was doing the deep crouch with the tongue flashing in and out. And Mickey's <laughs> looking at me going, oh, gross. <laughs> we, laughed like, we laughed like crazy. And the next night, Mickey was doing it. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I wiggled my finger at him as if, you know, don't do that. And he looked a little abashed. And we laughed like hell. You know what I'm saying? So this yeah. kind of thing. We never know which one of us is going to take which end of which joke and uh, if, if not something new. And, um, and so it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, every night is a new adventure. And so you should come and catch that if you can, anybody and everybody. We absolutely recommend that folks do. And I love it when you do your Gene Simmons impersonation, when you get into that pose and stick your tongue out and all that stuff. It, it always well, cracks me up. Mickey thinks it's gross. What can I tell you? <laughs> well, one thing that isn't gross on your on the Monkeys tour is that backup band that you have playing with you. Guys. Oh, yeah. Just I'm a fantastic good. band from, from Wayne to Coco and in between everybody, Dave and... Rich Dart, and you got John Billings, just a bunch of amazing people, and you've got a great crew backing you up. I want to talk to you about one song in particular that you guys are doing. We are absolutely loving the rendition of Higher and Higher that you oh. have doing this year on tour, and I know that you had a version of the track back in the 80s on your album, Stranger Things Have Happened. I remember seeing clips okay. of you performing that at the time as well. I'm really loving the musical breakdown with the bits from uh, the big bass man John Billings and drummer Rich Dart. How did that arrangement come to be when you do that little thing? And, and how did you, you know, go back to the infancy of you doing it, how did you manage to take that song from the Motown almost gospel filled to, as you say, the Appalachia. <laughs> it was just me trying to play that da 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 that lick from from the from the song. Just trying to play that lick on the banjo and see mm -hmm. if I could find a way to make it state on the banjo that conformed both with regular five string banjo playing on the one hand and the original lick on the other. And I just played it and played it and had a good time with this. It's how I do things, you know. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Let me see if I can make that fit. And it fit. Thank you. 
But you came and he soon departed And I'll never see his face again Because you're an Keeps on a As I originally arranged it, it really was about how to, then there has to be a break, it has to break up in the middle to bring the banjo back to the fore. And then uh, it, at various times since I've begun playing that arrangement, I have played given solos. There's been solos to one, two, three, four, five, the entire band ever since. It's always been time for uh, solos right there in that, in that same spot. And, uh, you know, Billings doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's just playing doom, boom, doom, boom, boom, boom. And he doesn't, nobody knows that he can play. But he can, you know, so he should get a chance to do a little of that. And Rich is just a much better drummer than anybody can, can spot because he's so mild about it. You just don't know. And so those guys, th I thought, you know, everybody knows how good Wayne is. Mm -hmm. uh, people might not know how good uh, Dave is on the keyboards, but he'll get his chance later on. Absolutely amazing, and Coco's no slouch either. Coco's no slouch. Coco's a wonderful singer. Yeah. I'm just so impressed with her at all times. A lot of good energy too. Very spiritual, peaceful, and loving. Just, just a fantastic lineup you have supporting you guys, and I. It's one of my favorite lineups of all the musicians you guys have played with. There's such a great cohesiveness, and you know, you were talking about Rich Dart is a better drummer than than people realize, and. The reason is, is because it's kind of like watching someone on a high wire act. It looks easy if someone knows what they're doing. Those guys all know what they're doing. Oh. Yeah, it's like with, with plumbers. You don't pay them for what they do, but for what they know. Absolutely. <laughs> it's always amazing. A plumber comes, and he does this, he does that. You say, I could do that. Yeah, you could, but you'd have to know what to do. That's exactly. the same thing, and that all. That's the same thing with musicians. It's not what you. It's not what they know because they know because the professionals know the range. Their comprehensive knowledge of their field, mm -hmm. and when you pick up, you need a professional. You need him for one very narrow, specific purpose, and it's like that. You know, Rich knows all of the monkey songs, and he plays them exactly the way they were, and he plays them simply. But he could play them much more complicatedly if he wanted to, if we asked him to, if we thought it was the right thing to do. But it's not the way we're going. So you hear him play very simply, and you don't get the full range of his ability. Right. But it's kind of like what we were saying about jazz earlier. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, you want to do this 
this certain way and you know but it's great to have that ability to to make that kite fly if you will so <laughs> this this may sound like a weird question have you ever thought about writing a book because i think the way you present things it's just it's it's fantastic i, I think you would it would be a great thing have you ever thought about writing a book many times well there you go that's that <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my answer. I just, you know, I did start to write one. I wrote about 60 pages and then stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, I do what I do. I don't know why I don't do what I don't do. Well, you haven't had time to breathe barely this year. I mean, you guys have been stomping up and down the seaboards. You're headed overseas, and who knows where this will all end. I mean, see the monkeys while you can. See Peter Tork every time you can. See anyone anytime you can, right? <laughs> You're like... You'll have two, two chances to see Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues in the only two appearances in 2016. Two, two Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues shows. Friday, October 14th at Club 66 in Edgewood, Maryland. Show starts at 7 p.m. Come meet Peter Tork and the rest of Shoe Suede Blues. Hang out, dance, and have a good time. Then see them again Sunday, October 16th at the Infinity Music Hall, Hartford, Connecticut at 7.30 p.m. Do not miss these two chances to see Peter Tork up close and personal with Shoe Suede Blues, both at Edgewood, Maryland and Hartford, Connecticut. Two, two, Peter Tork and the Shoe Suede Blues. Be there or be square. Don't miss it. The only chance to see Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues in 2016. Now listen. Yes, sir. Let me do this last one here. Okay. This is Peter Tork, and you're listening to Zilch. Hashtag induct the monkeys if you really want to. Excellent. Wow. That's good. Yeah, we've started this hashtag induct the monkeys thing because we're trying to get you guys in there. Oh, well, you know, I've thought about this a lot, and I've decided that if it, if I had a vote, I'd put us in, but if we never get in, I'm fine. You know, this is, in some ways, having a guy like Jan Wenner hold us up because of some imagined peak, some violation of his rules, uh, is really kind of a badge of honor. So yes. maybe we're better off without. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. It could be. I'm not a huge fan of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. First of all, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is is a uh, institution, and rock bands don't belong in institutions. There's there's my bad joke on it. But if there's going to be a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it should belong to the people and what they like. Yeah, but that's the thing about it. Those things happen when certain people decide to make them happen. And when certain people do those things, there are certain quirks to the people who do it. Mm-hmm. And the, the quirks have settled down to Jan Weiner can say no. And he has been saying no. And that's that. And in fact, he's been very sly about it in some cases. Yeah. Uh, did you know about this? Uh, REM said they, they wouldn't go in until we were in. And then Jan Weiner inducted another hero of theirs at the same time. And they went in in order to be with that hero of theirs in spite of what they'd said. So he got around their own, what they said. He got around that. Yeah. So it's like he's really, it's like not only does he not want us in there, he wants to slap us in the face with it. Not, well, not only am I not letting you in, but I'm going to smack you while you try. I'm uh, not trying, John. Yeah, I dig that. That's in or not as you will. Yeah. Well, here's here's our, our take on it. Um, I also do a Kiss show and a Cheap Trick show. 
and Jan Warner and Dave Marsh and all those guys said that there's no way that they would let Kiss in, right? Huh. Well, three years ago, we started uh, the hashtag. Hashtag Kiss? Yes, and we basically stuffed it up their nose on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. And it got to the point where guys like Dave Grohl were like, well, hell, man, I love Kiss. Why aren't they in there, Jan? And he's at a party with him. He's like, uh, 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 duh, duh. So there's people like Dave Grohl and people that are now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who now have a vote, who grew up listening to you guys, be it in the 70s, the 80s. And to them, whether it was an, a music show or a TV show or whatever it was, whether it was a group or a TV show, it didn't matter to them. It was just entertaining and it was fun and they liked it. So they're like saying, well, gosh, you like Kiss in there. You like Cheap Trick in there because we did that same thing with them and now we're doing with the monkey. So I'm hoping that we're going to go three for three and shove it right up Yon Winners. So there you go. Okay. Well, good luck with it in any case. Yes. Well, thank you, sir. You Alrighty, Kenny. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. Um, I want to thank you for being on this special episode of Zilch. You are welcome back here anytime. And we want to encourage people to get out to these two shows. Why don't you make a pitch as to why they should come see you both in Edgewood, Maryland, and Hartford, Connecticut on October 14th and 16th. Take it away, Peter. Uh, you should come to see the show because it will enlighten you and release you from all your troubles and send you into another dimension of awareness which you will never return from. That's Not. pretty sexy. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but you ask me why people should come to the show. Because I get off, and, you're gonna, and, it's, a, and it's, it's just a wonderful sight to behold. Because, because it's good music, because there's life there, because you're, you're at an event with people who are really being people at an event. We're not machines, although many shows have machine-like entertainers, and they're good, and you come away being impressed but this is different that's why it's agreed so get out there support peter torque support shoe suede blues really there's only two chances this year folks get out there and do it peter we want to thank you once again we want to encourage folks to check you out on all the social medias uh including your facebook page which is fantastic and i just want to thank you personally hang on hang on what's the ptfb1 Peter. Oh, okay. I have it right here. It's um, you can find you can check out Peter Torque on the web at, at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash phtorque one, or his site www.petertorque.com. You can also find his music on Bandcamp and wherever fine CDs or MP3s are sold. Well said, Ken. Well said. And see the uh, show for the links and all that stuff it'll all be in there peter thank you once again thank you for everything and thank you for bringing some joy and putting some peace and love out there i i cannot thank you enough as a fan and as someone who, who just really appreciates what you do thank you once again on behalf of all of us in the monkey fan world in the shoe suede blue fan world the peter torque fan world i you know really looking forward to what you have coming up in 2017 as well sir Thank you, Ken. Thank, good talking to you. Take good care. All right. Till the next time. Till the next time, sir. God bless. We'll see you. you Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fancy made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. 
you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Thank you enough as a fan. I'm going to say revital. I'm going to try to say. 